Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. just goes to further highlight the gulf between the addicts and the top six. Welcome to Charlton Live. Well, hello everybody and welcome to Cholton Live. I hope you guys are well. My name is Louis Meadows. On this week's show, we will of course be looking back at yesterday's 2-0 defeat uh, up at Derby County. A special good morning to everybody joining us live on uh, YouTube for our second uh, live stream. I hope you guys are well. Make sure you get involved in the comment section. Uh, so joining me on this week's show as we, uh, as I say, look back at that game at Derby. First up, making his debut on uh, on, on YouTube, Joe Puddy for AD Joe. Yeah, good. Uh, it's nice to finally see you all. I only ever chatted in, in the other format where we couldn't see each other. So, uh, yeah. It, yeah fun, nothing like I expected, actually. Yeah, in, in my mind, you were just like a, a pile of water on the floor. But um, Yeah, I, I thought know, that might be where that one was going, Louis. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. And also joining us uh, is Louis Cat. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Still a bit bunged up. And uh, I, I would say yesterday made it a lot worse i'd say but uh here we yes. are life of a charlton fan 
yeah, yesterday was a, a wonderful reminder of where we are uh, compared to uh, teams that are actually any good. Uh, and that turns out we are an absolute mile away from them. So uh, on this week's show, uh, as I said, we're, we're going to hear the uh, the highlights of that game uh, very shortly. We will, of course, hear Dean Holden's reaction uh, to the performance as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll... we'll We'll let you guys have your say. So if you want to put any comments in the comments section, let us know what you made of yesterday's performance. Are there any players that stood out, good or bad, uh, based on yesterday's showing? Um, where do you think we are? Um, I, I, I'm starting to argue, as I have been for the last few months, that the season's long over now. But what, what are we going to try and do for the rest of the season? How do you keep your, your interest peaked while we sort of meander slowly towards another season? Uh, in mid-table. So get your comments into the comments section. Uh, you can also email us, studio at charltonlive.co.uk uh, or you can tweet us uh, at charltonlive to have your say on yesterday's performance. We've got loads of discussion points uh, already that's been tweeted in um, and, and emailed as well. So look forward to, to you guys getting involved. If you put your comments into the comments section on YouTube as well, we can bring them up onto the screen uh, and we can discuss them. Also, we're, we're trialing a new feature at the end. Um, I, I wanted to get some more more voices and more faces on onto our Charlton Live live stream. So we're gonna, we're going to bring in a guest later, Greg Stubbley, the Charlton commentator, going to join us for the last twenty minutes or so. So if you've got any questions for him, uh, you know we'll we'll discuss yesterday's performance. We'll discuss everything uh, about the addicts with uh, with Greg as well, a thoroughly decent chap. So looking forward to having him on uh, later in the show. So um, just before we hear the highlights, Joe. Um, yeah, it felt like the writing was very much on the wall after about ten minutes yesterday. Um, uh, and then it was a, a disappointing afternoon. We had a couple of moments, literally two, you know, that Raksaki chance and uh, the one for Fraser at the start of the second half. But, you know, Derby had four or five good moments. And I felt like, you know, if you compare them to, for example, Bolton, they weren't even that good, but they were clearly still a few years ahead of us in, in where we need to be. Yeah, it was night and day, really, from, from start to finish. Um, I thought we were... I thought we looked leggy. Um, I, I think we we didn't really look like a cohesive team. They they looked really well drilled. They looked really comfortable on the ball, um, and they had gears to go through that we just couldn't match. Um, it it was pretty much a hiding nothing. We might as well have just sent them the three points in the post. Really, it would have saved everyone a lot of time. But it's one of those, isn't it? We're 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 petering out towards the end of a season. The motivation for the players has got to be going, but but also it's. You, you kind of want to start building and, and yesterday doesn't show you any signs that you're sort of building any momentum towards next season. It just sort of feels like that we're going to have a lot more of those games where we're just petering out against teams that, that are just a lot better than us, that are enjoying a much better season and actually have some enjoyment to to look forward to for for the next few months. So it's going to be a bit of a slog, it feels like, from this point onwards. Yeah, certainly, and uh, getting some good comments coming in already, which we will discuss after the highlights, Lewis. Um, the, like I say, the, the most disappointing thing for me, the most chastening thing out of the last couple of weeks is, you know, we, we can go to Exeter and be fine, you know, have a good old game, show a little bit of quality here and there. You know, we can go to Forest Green and grind out a win. But when we when we play Derby, when we play Bolton, I think the only exception recently is Barnsley, who had a massive off day when they came to the Valley. But when, whenever we played a proper top six outfit recently... You know, bear in mind at the start of the season, we were doing okay against them. But now that we've sort of got into our little uh, into our little rut, it's obvious that we're a mile off these teams. And like you go to a Derby County 
ground yesterday, Fire Park, there's what, 27, there's more in there than the capacity of our stadium. But that you know, was raucous. The atmosphere was quite good from the home fans behind the goal. When they got going, not always, but it just felt like going to a different world. Yeah, your your comment from a few weeks ago when we played Bolton um, it was definitely reflective of yesterday as well. It's a, it's a club that uh, have been on a similar journey to us of, over the last couple of years in terms of struggles off the pitch, but are in a completely different part of that journey now where they seem to be bouncing back from it. As you say, there was a big crowd in there yesterday, a uh, big supportive crowd. They've got a, a manager in, in, in Paul Warren, who's, who's obviously very well established at this level and a, and a very strong squad as well. Um, and that positivity carries a long, long way. Um, you know, Derby were dead and buried, you know, a season ago when they were, when they were staring relegation and, and what they had to do to try and avoid it with the points deductions, et cetera, and, and sort of that fall from grace, but they, they've got it right now off the pitch. Um, they've brought in a manager that they know can, can steer them in the right direction. Fans are, are buying into that and fans are investing into that because their ownership is investing into that football club, which is making them a competitive outfit. And there's a reason they're up there, you know, and it was the same with Bolton the other week. They're a team that have struggled like that off with off the pitch scenarios. They've bounced back. I mean, Bolton have fallen further than us and, and have bounced back even quicker, which makes it even more depressing, really, when you consider they dropped all the way to League Two and have still, you know, it almost feels like they've lapped us. It's... uh it's, it's tough to see. It's really tough to see. But ultimately, you, you get out of something what you put into it. And at the moment, it doesn't feel like a hell of a lot's being put into it. And and that's why we're sitting stagnant. And Joe hit the nail on the head. It was like men versus boys yesterday in terms of, you know, we, we were divisions apart, what felt like, you know, from, from watching the game, even the spells that we had in possession, we just looked panicked and we, and we didn't look comfortable on the ball. And a lot of the time we ended up, you know, maybe starting a fairly positive move and then we would give the ball back to Derby and we'd be on the back foot again. And that's what happens when you have established players in a, in a squad like Derby's with depth on the bench that that can change games. And when you look at our squad, which is, you know, young, loan heavy and probably fairly inexperienced, but it, it's, as you say, it, it's one of them where you just feel miles apart with considering you're in the same division and you'd probably consider yourself similar in terms of size and where you should be in this division, the the actual gap between the two clubs at the moment is is tough to take. Because mm, well, we spent the last however long, as I've said recently, actively being downsized, whereas Derby, you know, they've been through to hell and back. They, they even had their own little, uh, little uh, confrontation with Mr. Matt Southall as well, but they've come out of it the other side with, a, with an ownership, as we heard from, from Callum Bukoff on... Thursday show that that seemed to to have you know the the the, the best interest of the club at heart and, and and that's where we are as I said Matt Matt Morris has said it's woeful it must be one of our poorest games uh, of the season and it's certainly probably up there as well well let's have a quick listen back to the goals uh, from Charlton TV yesterday the commentators were Greg Stubbley and Terry Smith they'll be having on the right hand side Smith Mendes Lane goes past Session gets the cross in headed away by Hector it'll drop to Berghausen then it drops again to Kurt Hurahan. Blocked away by Hector once more. And the referee is taking a penalty here. Is the judge Hector to handle that? The shot came in from Hurahan. It was Hector that was in the way. The referee is the judge that to a bit of handball. Well, Hector's having no complaints. It's difficult to see from where we are. Tell you, yes, a blatant handball. No question about it. He sticks his arm out to his left. 
it comes off it. I thought at first maybe it came to off the top of his arm, but looking at that, only just this replay I've just seen, you can see his arm moving out. And there's no complaints from Hector, which sometimes says oh, none of his teammates are. I mean, Alvin Morgan's complaining a little bit, but John just struggled to clear. Hector won the first header, but then it was a bit... Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is the replay. And Chan just couldn't clear it away, and Derby have a glorious chance within the opening 10 minutes to get the first goal. McGoldrick with the penalty. Straight down the middle. 1 0. Actually, Maynard Brewer went to his right. The ball went straight down the middle by the miss angle. To Derby. Seeing the Charlton right hand side. Northern from the touchline. Sent in towards the penalty spot. And it's a header coming in from Captain. And that's the second goal. Darton will complain about the free kick awarded. Cashin got to the cross first. And a late run into towards the penalty spot. Actually, was already by the penalty spot. Went one way, then the other. Just in front of Hector. Gives Derby a 2-0 lead. Yeah, it's a brilliant header, but the delivery from Harahan is outstanding. Whips it with his left foot, makes it so hard to defend. Hector is next to Cashin, but Cashin gets across his man. It's a brilliant header, leaves Ashton Maynard with no chance. The delivery is brilliant, though. Just beats McGoldrick. Cashin is there. There we go. Cheers to uh, Greg and Terry for that and, and for Glove Park for sorting out the recording. But yeah, frustrating. Um, the, the the writing being on the wall, as I said at the, at the top, Joe, from, from the start. Um, did you think it was a penalty? I, I, in real time, it felt like his arm was sort of out, but he did sort of lean at the same time. So if he's lent with his arm, not actually that far out, but he's moved it towards the ball as part of his whole body, I guess... It probably was one, but you know, I, I don't want to sound like Terry Smith, but I was I was wondering if maybe we were hard done by at first. For me, it's a pen um, because of the lean. I think if he doesn't lean, he's got a very strong argument that, that what can he do because it is rifled at him. But I think it's a pen that comes from being rusty. Uh, I think if if he'd had another six, seven, eight games under his belt, he probably either gets his arm out the way or or manages to get more of a chest in the way. Uh, but yeah, it was for me. It was it was a fairly fairly. It, put it this way: if it was the other way around, I'd be blue in the face if it hadn't been given. So um, I don't think we can have too many complaints. And and the you know the the penalty itself was very very well taken. Um, it, one of those where if you've got a player of that quality. It's it's almost a foregone conclusion that you're going to concede in that way, and you know it. It was what six, seven, eight minutes in, something like that. But it just felt like we were already under so much pressure; it was already coming. It's a, it was a bit sort of disappointing that it did come because you were thinking if you maybe outlive that, maybe you can get a bit of a foothold. But yeah, it was one of those. I don't don't think mm. we can have any complaints. I think Hector himself will be a bit disappointed on, on both of them, to be honest, on both goals. But Yeah, yeah that we can see Dan's Dan's comment here. There were many bad players for me, but Hector was awful yesterday. He kept hoofing the ball forward uh, for nothing. Uh, him not playing in ages is showing. I mean, did, did, did you get that from his performance, Lewis, yesterday? He was, um, as we said, obviously he gave away the, the penalty for the goal. Uh, he was the man beaten by Cashin as well for the, the second header as well, the second goal. Um, 
what, what did you make of his so was his full debut, obviously, after coming off the, the bench against uh, Forest Green in midweek? Yeah, it was, um, if I'm being honest, I thought it was a bit of a strange call to chuck him in um, from the start, to be honest, because I know we've we've spoken about Raninis, you know, many times on this show about his, you know, potential of a, of a red card or, or being a little bit reckless or the odd mistake. But I would say since Dean's come in on the whole, bar maybe a couple of wobbles, he's actually been much improved than he was under Ben Garner. And He's played a lot of football this season. I think it's his most, I think he's made the most appearances in a single season this year, which is massive for him. And, and I think that's helping his consistency. So I was quite surprised to see him come out for for Hector, especially given the, the lack of football that he has had. Um, he came on obviously Tuesday against Forest Green and and did the dirty work when we needed him to. Um, Daniel mentioned about sort of the hoofball it's all right if you're coming on in the 80th minute and doing that to try and see out a victory. But if that's the game plan from the off, it, it does become a bit of an issue. Um, I think I, I agree with Joe. I think he, with the penalty, I, I think it was unfortunate, but it comes from a bit of rustiness. I think just the reaction to lean towards the ball to stop it going goalwards. I don't even think the shot was on target, really, which is a shame. And to concede a penalty that early at a team that are in fine form in Derby is obviously a, it gives you that uphill battle straight away. And from then, you know, I've, I mean, Joe mentioned and touched on the second goal. I think just those individual battles um, weren't always won. And when you've got big, experienced players like, you know, like David McGoldrick and you've got pacey people coming in like Mendes Lang and, and things like that, you are going to you're going to be tested more than you are against a team like Forest Green. And that's no offence to Forest Green, but you are. Um, so I was surprised to see that change yesterday. Um, I think overall, I think Hector will be a good signing once he gets up to speed but it's just again that short termness I don't know how long he's you know I can't remember if his deal is only until the end of the season and if it is you'd argue is he going to be fully up to speed before the season comes to an end where's the benefit there maybe it's just a bit of cover but for me I'd have just stuck with Ryan Innish yesterday because I think him and and Ness have been forming a fairly decent partnership um, in centre half and I think to go away from home one of the one of the tougher sides in the division and to change your defensive partnership was was a little bit of a questionable decision yesterday from Dino. Mm, yeah, I did ask Dean about that. We'll hear that in my interview uh, with Dean Holden uh, later on. Um, I mean, Lucy said there, do you think if Ashley had saved the penalty, we would have had much more confidence or still not enough? I mean, the, the way we'd sort of started on the back foot and, and the way the game progressed, you know, I, I thought we got a bit of a foothold of it in the second half without still creating anything. Um, I, I think even if he had saved that penalty, I couldn't see it all of a sudden turning into a great backs to the wall away performance where we we look really solid. You know, Derby throughout that game probably had three or four guilt edged opportunities that you know we we were reasonably lucky that they weren't didn't really have their shooting boots. I mean, how many times did the ball drop to David McGoldrick on the edge of the box yesterday? And he seemed to completely slice his shot, which is amazing considering he's one of the top scorers in. In League One, I think even if we had saved that penalty, Joe, I couldn't, I couldn't see that game going any differently. Really, it felt, it felt like it was inevitable from pretty much the uh, the get go. Yeah, it it had an inevitability about it. I think yesterday, one of the things that sort of shone through to me is just how difficult we found it um, to get some cohesive play. Uh, you know, string a few passes together and take the pressure off. Um, we've touched on. 
hoof ball tactics potentially, but it, when it went into midfield, we were just overrun. Uh, they were intercepting it easy. How many times did Dobbo have a pass intercepted yesterday? And he's normally one of our strongest players on the ball. Fraser didn't really get into it at all. Um, Morgan was very peripheral as well. I, I felt so when you've got when you've got that sort of pressure in and amongst the midfield, and you're not able to alleviate the pressure and when you do get it to Blackett Taylor and Raksaki, they were isolated, I felt, again, yesterday, and they were trying to do everything on their own. So there's no way that you can sort of build the momentum and pressure to, to get yourself up the pitch. And so it becomes backs against the walls with them just heaping more and more and more attacks into your into your box. And if you look at where their shots were, they really should have had more yesterday. Um, I think we were quite lucky to get away with just conceding two. Um, and I think we were probably lucky to get um, away with being credited with zero goals. So I'm not even sure we deserve that. Um, we didn't threaten them really at all. Yeah, Nathan sent me a text yesterday saying that apparently at half-time our expected goals, XG, which I know not everyone likes, but it is a reasonable indication. Apparently it was something like 0.08. Um, you know, the only chance we had, I, I was trying to find it, I was trying to find it what it was at full time. I couldn't find it yesterday. But the, the only chance really we had in that first half, and ironically, it did come from a Macaulay Bond flick on because I thought he was so anonymous yesterday. He had five touches of the ball in that first half. And, and Dan's just said, you know, they were doubling up on the wingers, so we couldn't, uh, we couldn't do anything. Uh, Bond should never be chosen again. It was woeful, the worst this season. I mean, in terms of Macaulay Bond, you know, that, those five touches he had in the first half. I mean, I felt bad about it, but I was really tickled by that dreadful attempted cross he put in in the first minute, where he tried—I don't know what he was trying to do—but he absolutely punted it into the into the Derby fans behind the goal. Um, but there's probably two parts to what went wrong with McCauley yesterday, and it, you know, we we could probably zoom in on pretty much every player in the team yesterday, maybe other than Dobbo, but he, he he's clearly lacking in confidence, and he clearly has not achieved anything. He hasn't scored a goal in over a year for anyone. But also, if we only get the ball to him five times, and well, that does suggest that something as a, as a team isn't working right as well, Lewis. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and as Daniel says there, like because they were doubling up on the wingers, there's good reason because that's the only threat we have when we go forward is is Corey and Jez. And and if those two aren't getting the ball, then that does isolate others and and limit the chances that we do get. And you're right. I mean, we are there's you know rightful criticism of of Bond since he's come in because he hasn't had that impact that I think that we've needed, especially given, regardless of how bad his season may have been, given the loss of Jaden Stockley, because some, you know someone's got to replace that void. And and if we're looking at Macca as the the incoming that we had in January that replaced the outgoing of Jaden, then that's not paid off so far. And I know it's early, you know, it's it's what six weeks since he joined, maybe four or five weeks since he came back, and we haven't really seen much of it yet haven't seen him at his best and as you say confidence must be a big part in that because he hasn't scored for so long for anyone I, I don't doubt that he can do it at this level because he has done for Ipswich but that's in an Ipswich side that you know are absolutely blessed with with talent and squad depth and creative players you've got him in a side now that, that is create is, is struggling to create chances um and when we are, we're not clinical. Like the thing that annoys me the most is that we almost try to pass the ball into the net, but we're almost not good enough to pass it that many times to get it that close to the net to pass it in the net. We, when I look back at a few games recently when we've conceded absolute screamers, my biggest frustration has been that we don't have anyone on our team 
that would think when they've got nothing on would think I've got nothing on. All I can do here is have a pop. And, you know, on the odd occasion, it will go in. We don't have that. If we if we have nothing on, we go backwards and, and reset and go again. We, in terms of attacking intent, we do really struggle. And it's a big frustration of mine, um, mainly under under Ben, because we, we went through that whole, you know, passing uh, and, and possession-based football that, that didn't always create the most amount of chances. And, and then now maybe under Dino, we're seeing you know, spells and, and glimmers of it, but not enough, especially from the forward men. And, you know, we're massively reliant, as we've said previously, on Jezrak Saki for goals. He's not going to be here next season. Well, them reliant on 19-year-old Miles Lieburn for goals. He's injured. And it's that same argument we've had every season when we've brought a, younger, a young player through too early or we've brought a young player through that we're putting too much pressure on them. Um, and then we've got Chooks and Maka. Chooks is... You know, we know the situation with him in terms of his fitness. He can't play 90 minutes. Uh, he came on yesterday and, and did more than the Macca did. Uh, and then we've got Bond, who's completely shot of all confidence. And it's and it's the same position that we were under Jaden. We're, we're, no, we're no better off than we were at the start of January in terms of attacking options. And, that, and that's a real disappointment. Yeah, again, we'll hear from Dean. Uh, he admits that Charlton are light in that position. Uh, just before we do hear from the Addicts boss then, so a couple of bits came in on Twitter. So facts and stats, they've got no goals now in nine league and cup games uh, since the start of uh, 2023 for whoever is the Charlton centre forward. Is it time to go two up front again? And all hell let loose, says, is Macaulay Bond good enough to be a starter for Charlton or is he not suited to a 4-3-3? Please discuss. And I, I find that an interesting point because actually when I was writing my my takeaways on the train home yesterday. Obviously, I, I did highlight the Macaulay Bond situation, but I do also say, obviously, I haven't published these yet, so um, it'll be out soon. But we, we've struggled to get our main striker involved in a four-three-three for probably two years now. If we're being honest, Joe. Anytime we've played a four-three-three at the end, uh, last season and this season, Stockley struggled. You know, um, I think Anike struggled when he started at Forest Green. Um, obviously, Bond has struggled big time. I think uh, maybe the only one is Miles Lieburn. And even then, I think he's been better suited when it's been the two. So, I mean, that's that's the argument, isn't it? But both those two tweeters there have just said, do we go to two up top? Do we change this formation that Dean's come in and had some success with because it's not getting our forward men into the game enough? We, we score a lot of goals is the only thing I would say. Like before yesterday, Derby were one of only five sides that scored more than us. So are we getting a bit carried away because, because of that? Because we're, we're not seeing enough from McCauley? I don't know. So <clears throat> if you go to two up top... That means you've got to start Bon and an EK. Um, and then that means that you've got nothing to change it up in the second half. Um, so that's half the problem at the minute. We don't have enough players in the building to play two up top. We don't have enough strikers. Um, we we have struggled a little bit in terms of in terms of getting the, the central striker to score. Because I don't think we've necessarily got the best player to play up front on his own. I think Lieburn is the closest to that. Um, and Ike doesn't have the energy um, across 90 minutes. And and Bond doesn't have enough on the ball um, to, to bring it down, you know, shield it off a man and bring other people through. But if you are going to play one up top, you've got to get people flooding through from midfield um, to support that central striker for me. Um, and, and I'm not sure that we're necessarily always doing that. When Fraser is on form and is able to fulfill that role then then that works quite nicely but I don't think he's able to do that week in week out he's a bit of a patchy player in terms of form um 
I think it touched on something I was thinking about yesterday, which is how are we going to build for next season? I think to have the option to go to up top, I think we probably need to sign at least two, if not three strikers, because I'm I'm kind of assuming that Bond won't be here. Um, on a selfish level, it's kind of... Um, because I don't want him to be, but uh, I think that you need to have you need to have more options available. I mean, yesterday your options were to put Bon and Anike up top and, and pull the wingers back, um, or to do a straight switch. And I, I, there's just not the flexibility there. I mean, for me, I think we've got eight first team senior players that that could be a credible uh, player to have in the squad next season, and two of them are goalkeepers. So it doesn't really leave you with an amazing amount of options. And it's a big rebuild that's needed in, in the summer. Um, but the big thing, you've got to choose the players that suit the system that you want to play first of all, but you've also got to build a squad that is able to vary what you're doing. If you want to put a different option up top, or you want to change your formation, you've got to have enough bodies in the building and enough flexibility to be able to do that. And we just don't have those options available to us at the minute. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. I'd written down on my notes a question I was going to ask uh, those who are listening live in the second half of the show is which, which players in the current squad could you legitimately say could play part of a promotion bid next season if we were in a position to go for a promotion bid? So who, who would you look in, in the current squad and say, yeah, so-and-so could be part of a team that's going for top six next season or for top two next season. So I would chuck those into the comments. We've got loads of comments in as well, actually. So um, it's uh, feel free to keep coming out. I'll come to a few more of those uh, after we hear from the Addicts boss, Dean Holden. Don't forget we've got Greg Stubbley coming up later on in the show as well. Uh, but yeah, I spoke to Dean after yesterday's game uh, up, at, up at Pride Park and asked him for his thoughts uh, on the defeat against Derby. Your defeat here at Derby, how did you see it this afternoon? Well, I think when you when you come into a, a team and a club like this, which is flying high in the division and been on an incredible run in the last few months, you know, to, to concede a goal after 10 minutes is obviously going to be always difficult, puts you on the back foot. I haven't seen the penalty back. I don't think his arm was out. Well, it certainly wasn't outstretched. I don't know if he's maybe lent his body in towards the ball, if that's a, the reason the referees obviously give the penalty. Um, you know, we've had the big chance through, through Jez, the 1v1, and just didn't quite execute that. The goalkeeper did well and smothered it. And... To be honest, I thought we were a better team in the second half. I thought we most of the game was played in their half of the pitch and, and they go and score, I think, around the 70th minute mark, which makes it so much more comfortable for them. Uh, real sucker punch for us, really, in, in terms of how we could respond from that. And I genuinely don't think there was a lot in the game in between both boxes. I just think it's frightening how many basic errors we made today in terms of unopposed giveaways when we had the ball in promising areas, promising moments on transition. Whether it was a poor touch or a poor or a poor pass, which is not like us. Um, I suppose that's a difficult, disappointing thing because we're not then able to sustain them waves of attack to, to really put them under enough pressure to get back in, into the game. But I think even if you look at the first goal leading up to the penalty, you know we should stop the cross, we should defend that better. So again, always, always loves to work on. It's just, it's just a disappointing afternoon. But do you think those unforced errors, well, like why were they happening today if they haven't happened too often under your, your tenure? I think that's. I think. It's not been perfect, far from it, up to now. I think I think they've been there. I think there's been signs of that. I just think today there was just so many more. Um, carelessness, I suppose, and just a concentration level, really, a concentration issue. I mean, the pitch was fine, really good pitch. and yeah, We have to we have to make sure that we're better in the moments. 
Do you think like today's game with Derby, similar perhaps to the one with Bolton a couple of weeks ago, shows the, the difference in the quality of squads in the top six and where Cholton are currently, the ability to turn it on in, in, in an instant? Almost? I think so, yeah. I think if you look at their squad, the subs they can make, it's, again, a team that's flying high, aren't they? So it's always going to be difficult. You know, where, we're, where we've been you know, six weeks ago, we were 19th or whatever, we were in the league and, and we've got ourselves into a you know, mid-table but you know to go again into that top six you can see the quality that they've got in their squad it'll be the same again against Sheffield Wednesday next week so you know since that sort of winning run we put together a week or two back you know it's been sort of win-loss lose-win-lose so you know the boys have responded in uh, the previous defeats we have to make sure we do that next week against Sheffield Wednesday You brought Michael Hector in for his first obviously already, already mentioned the, the penalty which could have gone either way I guess but what did you make of his, his full day? Yeah I mean it's, it's a difficult uh, game to, to, to throw him in I suppose but uh, Ryan's played a lot of football uh, this season, more than he's played in, in previous seasons up to you know up to now. So we, we you know we felt we needed to shuffle the pack there. And um, yeah, as I say, you know, I think there was a lot in the game. I think I think I think he gets across Michael for the header for the second goal. So he'd be disappointed with that, obviously. But I think, as I say, there the, the wasn't a great deal in the game. You look at it and you know the chance with Jez and so much good stuff, but just 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 a lack of, of care which just really cost us both boxes. Obviously, McCauley came in to start again today. What did you make of his performance? Yeah, I mean, I think he's looking. I think a goal will help him. I think Chuck's obviously started his first league start there the other night in over a year, and you know, to go again three, four days later would have been difficult. So, you know, we're quite light in that position at the moment. Obviously, Miles is coming back from his minor injury, and you know, we have to, we have to, we have to keep going. We have to stick together and keep going. I saw a stat on McCauley in the first half, which I don't think is all on him, actually. I think that Charlton only got the ball to him five times in, in the first period. I mean, what, what can the team do to help him get involved more? Yeah, well, we, one of the things we focused on is playing forward and running forward. And I think the last two games, um, sorry, this game and the Fleetwood game, we've had a lot more of the ball. I mean, we've come here today, majority of possession of the ball, but I don't really care about that. And uh, arguably, we're better when we have less of the ball and we're playing forward and running forward and giving the opposition problems. And we don't think we got them in, in behind enough. And, and yeah, and got McCauley into the game in and around that, that 18 yard area. You're probably sick of questions like this because on Tuesday someone asked you about the playoffs, but now three days later, Charlton are 16 points outside the top six. There's still a game in half for Barnes. Is it easy to keep the players motivated when, for some, it might feel there's not a great deal left to play for? I don't question that the, the motivation to play is to play for this football club and perform. And if if I don't see that, they won't play. It's as simple as that. I think the, the headline the other day, from what I was told, was um, I've not given up on the playoffs or whatever it was. Someone asked me if the season was dead, and the season is never dead. That was me actually. Um, create a headline around that if you want but is the playoffs too far to stretch it looks that way it certainly loves to play for and there's still standards to be set for next season obviously if you, if you want to play a part in that yeah, well. everybody's everybody's playing for that aren't they it's, you know until the season is over we will give everything in every game it's not like it's, while I'm here I don't think you can question that um, and as I say if I see anything like that then I'll, then I'll act quickly but I don't expect to see that again it's not been a lack of effort today I don't question that at all from the players they were just better they were better on the day and uh, for yourself, I know it's probably conversation still to be had, but fans would love an update because they're, they're quite keen to know if there's anything between you and Thomas yet. Yeah, I think it's, it's difficult for me because I'm doing, as you say, I'm doing press conferences every three days and I'm having to answer that question every three days. And the, the truth is, there's no, there's no update. I think I've already said there was due to be talks taking place sort of following this game. I expect, that to, I expect that to be the case. And then obviously, when there's an update, hopefully we get it resolved quickly. Well, that's, that's the key thing, so we can start planning for next season and really looking at you know the summer and what that looks like in terms of recruitment and all the rest there's so much to do behind the scenes uh, to make sure this club pushes on next season Cheers. thank you Dean obviously you did have a lot of the ball and you got to close the 18 yard box a lot of the time but you didn't quite create the chances why do you think it was so hard to break down Derby today 
I wouldn't say it was so hard to break them down. I think there was a, I think there were spaces and gaps for us to exploit, which we did. It was just a lack of care in, the, in that final pass. Whether it was a cross, I think there was one right at the beginning, right at the end of the first half, which summed us up a little bit. We got into a great position on the corner of the box and chose not to deliver and come back out. We ended up coming back and around. And you've got, to, you know, we looked at their back four today. His players playing out of position. We didn't put them under nowhere near enough pressure to to create enough chances to score. Is that really frustrating? So obviously Derby plays such a high press. Once you've beaten that kind of first phase of the players, to then not quite create that final bit, is that actually yeah. pretty frustrating? Yeah, it is massively frustrating, obviously. And uh, yeah, I say it was just them moments when you can get your wide players in behind that we've done in recent games, we just weren't able to do to do enough of. Do you think maybe the players, you know, such a big crowd here, say very noisy? Do you think the players maybe got slightly put off by that, no. and that's why the silly mistakes? Ridiculous question, no. Not at all. I just think it was a lack of care on our final pass. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's done. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr! Absolute German beauty! Woo! Dreamland! Jordan have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Guess it! Come on! What a time to be here on Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word! Oh, yeah, that's Dean Holden there answering uh, the questions for, for myself and, and someone else um, after yesterday's defeat. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could tell he was frustrated, Joe. Um, he, he was clearly frustrated at the end <laughs> of, of, the, of the chat, um, which uh, we, I, I asked him about the, the, the contract update. Not not much to talk about now, but if I didn't ask him and there was something that would have been it would have been a big miss from me. So. No, no real update on that yet. Maybe there'll be more in, in in the week as it comes on. But yeah, I mean, someone put in the comments. He he felt he felt a bit more rattled than usual. Matt Morris said that, um, and I'd agree. And, and I guess that comes down to the fact that overall he saw a performance from his side that wasn't good enough and wasn't at even at the levels he's probably set over the last few weeks. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm. I'm probably in the minority because I'm a little bit critical of Holden um, at, at this stage in terms of I think we get outthought uh, during games too much. Um, other teams make little tactical changes and I don't think we adjust to them particularly. And and yesterday for an entire 90 minutes, I don't think he ever quite got to the point where he had his team uh, outplaying or, or, or really on top. 
and and he is going to be frustrated because he's come into a club that he thought was going to be moving in one direction that that direction has now changed i mean for me none of us 100% know but for me i'm i'm pretty much completely in the camp that um the new lot bought holden in and it wasn't anything to do with sangard um and so now he's sort of left holding the baby um but he's also not able to have any proper talks about what that looks like. So he's just kind of treading water. Um, and then you get performances like that out of players. And he's kind of like, well, what is the point in, in battling on almost if if people aren't going to gonna put the, the, the work in that you need them to on a Saturday? So, yeah, he is he clearly is frustrated. But I think that we either need to do one of two things. We need to completely back Holden. And by that, I mean, and that enable him to go out and recruit the back room team that he wants. And then in the summer, give him a proper budget to go and get the players he wants. Or we need to say, look, we're not going to deliver what, what you, you're looking for and, and let him go. Uh, you've got to do one or the other. This, this sort of halfway house is just going to be very difficult for him. And, and let's not forget, you know, he's a long way away from his family um, at the minute as well, while all this is going on. Um, so he's not necessarily getting even the support that he needs. He seems to be very good at supporting the players and, and being a, a great bloke for the club. But, you know, even even the strongest people, they, they need a bit of help sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of echo his frustrations, but I do think that some potentially we need to look at what we're giving him in terms of the tools to enable him to do that. Because I think he needs a tactician alongside him in the dugout because he has said himself the tactical game isn't his strongest element. Mm. I mean, do you think uh, part of his frustration uh, yesterday, Lewis, is, is what's been mentioned there by by Joe about the fact that, I mean, it is, it is no question that he was brought in by the Charlie Mevan lot for, for, for want of a mob, for, for want of a better phrase, um, because the, four pe- the, the three people who he arrived with all left when that deal fell through. So, do you think part of the frustration is that he came in thinking he was about to be, you know, part of a project that he was happy to play a part of, whether the fans were, were that infused about what could have happened there. And, and now that's all been taken away from him. And he's been left to try and deal with an ownership that has um, struggled since they've come into the club and taken the club backwards and looked very silly over over their time here. So he, he has come in expecting one thing and now he's been left with something completely different. Yeah, I think so. I think for any anyone would be, wouldn't they? I mean, as you say, regardless of of what we may think about Charlie Meth and and the sort of credibility of that takeover and where it would have led us in the in the short term, if if the long term I I highly doubt. Um you you come in a, as a project and, and with a team and then within what six weeks or so that team is gone then yeah i think it would be it would be quite frustrating um and and unsettling as well not just for him but for the players because i know it's a it's seen as an excuse sometimes but all this talk behind the scenes doesn't help the players either you know a lot of these players are out of contract in the summer don't know who the manager's going to be don't know if they're going to get deals don't know who the owner's going to be it is a vicious cycle, and and I think that that uncertainty will filter down into into the playing side, and then it's Dean's job to try and to try and lift that and try and settle that. But likewise, he's probably feeling those same uncertainties. So it's a frustration, uh, a frustrating position for him to be in, a uh, difficult position for him to be in. And yeah, I, I picked up on the that he was a little bit more snappy yesterday, to be honest, because that's not really been in his manner since he's arrived. Um, and I think that is just pure frustration because. 
he obviously doesn't really know what's happening um, like many of us. And it, it's difficult to motivate a team when you don't know what's happening yourself. And I, and I think that's a bit of an Achilles heel for us at the moment is what always seems to be what's happening off the field rather than what's happening on it. Um, mm. You know, as, as a football club, we're, we're sat stagnant and it's so frustrating for not just supporters, but for, for players that, you know, sign up to be part of a project here managers that come in here to be part of a project it's frustrating for all really that we're we're kind of kneecapped at not being able to grow organically and not being able to develop and try and have a push for the championship which you know where we should be no no club has a god-given right to be in a higher division but when you look at us on paper you our target really i think we're fairly accepting the premier league days are long gone but pushing you know to be back in that championship that's probably where we want to be and there's no reason why we couldn't be there with the right investment the club's got such a good infrastructure in terms of the stadium and the academy and the training ground that it's all just sat stagnant and that's where the frustration lies and I think that's probably why Dean was so sold on the project at the time because it is a big club in this division um and you know that project that he was sold would have been you know a certain amount of investment we want to be here in x amount of years but we're going to do this to do that he would have known what Methven and, and that group's intentions okay. would have been. And it was obviously enough to, to for him to take the job. Now that's fallen through, it's a completely different story. So when, as he said in the interview, he's, he's going to have chats with Thomas, hopefully, uh, fairly soon. I think it's important we tie him down because we want to know what the future is beyond this season, uh, beyond the end of this mm. season. But I mean, Tom, yeah. Thomas has sort of like put himself in a strange situation. If he's going to sell the club which he seems to be trying to do, or not achieving very well, like everything else he's tried to do since he's come here. Um, a lot a lot of ownerships like to put new managers into place, their own man, uh, you know, like, like, like we saw with Dean Holden. <laughs> like, um, so that, that he could inadvertently tie the club down to a manager that a new owner doesn't want. You know, that, that's another bizarre situation that Thomas has managed to talk himself into. Um, that we found over there. We're going to bring our guest in very shortly, but just finally, uh, w- Wilson says, can, someone said on the socials yesterday that Derby have not actually spent a penny on transfer fees. Can you guys confirm this? Well, yeah, when we spoke to to, to Mr. Bucock on, on Thursday, um, he, he, you know, he confirmed that, that Derby is still in some sort of embargo where they're not allowed to spend transfer fees. So it, it goes to show that their recruitment has obviously been a lot brighter than ours in terms of the players they've bought in for, for no fees. Obviously, it will come down to the sort of wages they're willing to pay as well. But yeah, that just... Uh, that just shows where we are uh, at the moment uh, in time. Right, let's bring in our guests, shall we? Um, this is a, a segment I hope to try and do pretty much every week, um, just to bring in a different face, really, uh, from around the uh, the Charlton family. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, we have a very good friend of mine today. So uh, welcome to the uh, Charlton uh, TV commentator, Greg Stubbley. Mr. Stubbers, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good to hear from you guys. Enjoying my Sunday morning therapy. It's, uh, it's very <laughs> yeah. enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, well, we're uh, really grateful for you uh, coming and, and joining us on, on Charlton Live after a, a long day, uh, particularly yesterday. Um, I mean, we've heard uh, Joe's and Lewis's thoughts on the game. Um, you, you were there commentating with Tell, uh, as we heard at the, the top of the show there. A long and frustrating afternoon uh, and, and a reminder of just how far we off, uh, you know, how far off we are comparing ourselves to teams like even Derby County. You weren't even that good. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was just the obvious lack of quality we had in comparison to Derby. I mean, you look at Derby's team, it's full of experience. I wrote down in my pre-match notes, 
how many of their players have played in the championship and above. And every single player who entered the field yesterday played in the championship or indeed the Premier League, you know, for a number of games, not just one or two matches. Um, and that's the huge difference. You look at our team and you've got a few, you know, obviously uh, Sessegnon's played a little bit of Fulham. Um, Raksaki's played a Premier League game for, for Palace, but they're more sporadic. I think the only one really is Michael Hector and it was his full debut yesterday. So when you look at it like that, you can see how much we need to improve as a squad to get to the levels of a team like Derby who aren't even in the top two, you know. So it doesn't mean it's the be-all indoors. Sure, if you go through Plymouth squad, for example, it might be similar in terms of lack of experience, but it's just having that quality to, to unlock teams. And the main player for me that we have to do that, we didn't get the ball enough to, and that's Raksaki. You know, if you get him isolated quickly, um, he's, I mean, he's shown how dangerous he can be. And we just didn't really have a game plan for him in particular. It's just, it felt like we needed to get players on the ball quicker, but it just didn't happen. We just took too many touches. I mean, you look at the possession stats, you look at the amount of passes we, we made, um, and you can see that we just took too many touches or took too many passes instead of being a bit ambitious, getting down the line, putting the crosses in or um, targeting players a little bit earlier. Yeah, and, and the frustration. I mean, one one thing, one question I am going to ask other people. So, like I so said, we've got the the players that we think could play a part in in a promotion push, which we're going to come up to in the next few minutes. But the the other thing, and it's probably a question I have to ask myself every now and then, Greg, is how do you do it? How do you do it knowing that it's over? It's been over since about October. And how do we do it? <laughs> why do we keep doing it? Why do we Why do we go every week? What What are we clinging on to? I guess it's. The camaraderie, because the away end yesterday was fantastic. It was it fifteen hundred yeah. fans who've made their way yeah. up. The support was great. You know, people were on the beers all day. They had a great day of it. But and that's it, isn't it? It's about being with your mates. It's unfortunately this is the second year in a row where we've got to this stage of the season and, and probably even earlier where we've got nothing to play for, nothing to to get our claws into in terms of on the pitch. You know, we're we're going nowhere at this moment in time. Why? Why? Why, why do we keep coming back? Well, I just wish you didn't remind me, to be honest, mate. <laughs> but, um, I think that, I mean, you, you mentioned it, the camaraderie, the, the people we do this with, um, you know, it, it massively helps. And I'm sure for fans as well who, who go to these games, you know, it's it's a lot of um, fun prior to the matches and post-matches, you know, it's part of getting out of, you know, your work struggles or your day-to-day lives. It's, it's part of releasing some frustration and, don't get me wrong, I'd rather be going and having some fun <laughs> watching the matches as well. And I'm sure hopefully we'll have a couple of more before the end of the season, a couple of performances that we're really proud of and excited about. But and for moments like, I think that's why Wembley was so emotional for us all as fans, because that Wembley day, albeit ending up not really doing much for us for the, for the football club, but that day itself felt like a culmination of everything that we've we've been through and, and putting ourselves about. Um and I think having that experience is almost like an addiction, isn't it? You want to have those experiences. You want to you want to be there for the good times so that you can remind yourselves, oh, I went through these as the bad times. So there's no easy answer as to why we do this, but yeah. <laughs> I think those are a couple of reasons why. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the league, it's things like you want another Ipswich 4-4, you know, a, a remarkable comeback like that. You just want those little moments. Matt said, nothing new though, is it? How many years have we been gash? And the fans have carried on going purely because the uh, the day uh, with, with your mates is, is great, which I agree with. A couple of more messages on yesterday's game. Uh, Stuart said today, 
uh, our wide players were generally nullified and our final pass wasn't finding our man. Considering the difference in, uh, invested in both squads, we lost for a slightly better side. Uh, looking forward to Sheffield Wednesday uh, next week. Mike uh, Tyson said Hector was at fault for both goals. How can fans say he was decent today? Uh, my mind boggles. I thought he was appalling. Uh, and Alan says, uh, you fall Lebo apart. We've got no decent striker and getting none of them in has cost us. In uh, Thomas Sangard times, we've had Davison, Washington, Swartz, uh, Burstow, Stockley all going out. Injury prone and EK, uh, ineffective Bond uh, in. Uh, Thomas, uh, get it. We need goals to get promoted. Uh, but for Raksaki, we could have been looking <clears throat> at League Two. So that brings us on to the question um, I- I've posed for the people in in the live stream as well is um you know of our current a couple of people have tweeted similar questions as well actually today of our current squad who could actually be someone that could be involved in a in a charge for the the, the playoffs or the top two joe i mean i'll start with you i'll bring up some of the comments onto screen as well and we'll discuss them but i mean if if i pose that to you if you felt if you if i had to say you need to be confident that a player we're playing currently could be part of a spine of a side that could go for the, the top six or the top two. Who would who would you say? And and how few of them would it be? Um, well, if we're going with just starters, um, you've got both goalies, Manoprah and Willacott for me. Egbo, um, if he can stay fit. Dobbo, Fraser, Blackett, Taylor and EK. Because um, I don't think we're going to keep Ness. I don't think we're going to keep Leeburn. I'm kind of ruling them out, but also they are youngsters. Um, and then I think Innes is a squad player. That's it. That's all I've got. So uh, I, I reckon there's a big old rebuild needed. Um, mm. you, you know, you could maybe you could maybe have the likes of Morgan and Payne as, as squad players, but I think they've got to be coming in as squad players. They're not central parts of your team that's going to get you promoted. Yeah. Like there's, there's, yeah, Morgan and Payne, even as squad players, that would suggest. I mean, the fact that obviously Morgan's starting a lot of games at the moment, but you know, Payne's he, he, st- he had some decent returns in terms of assists and goals at the start of the season. We've done nothing for months now, if we're being honest. He, like, even so, Paul Davenport's put Maynard Brewer, uh, Willacott, and Ness, Fraser, Dobbo, Lieburn, Henry, uh, Tupac, Carnu, uh, and Mitchell. Uh, they said presumably won't get Raksaki and Sess back. The rest can have the odd half decent game acceptable for your bench warmers, but not your first teams. I, I just wonder if the fact that we're even saying so many of the current squad is perhaps underestimating how far off we are. Like even even Scott Fraser, I like Scott Fraser, but he goes he goes too quiet too often. Like he had a good little spurt just around New Year, Lewis, but we're not seeing enough. Consi- Maybe if he was playing in a better side, we'd see a bit more. But I just I just wonder if because we see these players every week and despite the fact that deep down we all hate them we, we do sort of have a bit of an affinity with them and because they're our team we try and support them and, and, and g them up a bit i wonder if we overrate some of our players we're mid-table and we have been for two years so therefore unless there's players that are really standing out like ones who are former chelsea youth products who aren't even ours raksaki like are we by saying even more than about free are, are we over over egging the ability that some of these players have I think so, a little bit, yeah. Sometimes it is the the sense of the best of a bad bunch, isn't it? And I remember a few seasons ago, well, over 10 years ago now, when we uh, had that big rebuild in the summer under Chris Powell and we let Jose Semedo go, I remember how gutted everybody was about letting Semedo go. And he just won player of the year and we're thinking, why have we let him go? He's our best player by far. But it's only when he goes, he's replaced with players that were much better in Danny Hollands and, and Dale Stevens that you noticed maybe that 
actually, are we pinning hope on players that are really just the best in a mid-table, mediocre side? You know, I can't argue with the stats of Dobbo. I, I mean, I do think Dobbo is fantastic. You know, he has a couple of performances where he's maybe a little bit off it, but we come so overly reliant on him being the saving grace of our football team. You know, the likelihood of him winning player of the year again this year is probably odds on again, you know, because he is just that player that runs around, tries hard, makes a tackle, can create, but really he's just that lovable player because he puts the effort in. I'd On Joe's list, I'd, I'd add Sean Clare just because of the versatility. I think, you know, Sean has sometimes had a few wobbly performances at right back and has been caught maybe a little bit narrow, maybe, when, when defending. But I do think that versatility and... And sometimes some of his performances have probably outweighed the negatives with him. Um, but I agree with you. I, I think that when we look at the squad we have now, you know, Jez is is our most creative player that, that gives us the most goods, if you like. He's not our player. None of the strikers for me, bar Leeburn, I would keep. Blackett Taylor blows hot and cold. His, his final ball isn't hasn't really been good enough consistently, but is dangerous in terms of pace. And then, as you say, Fraser inconsistent, but when maybe in a better side would be would be much more of a threat. But yeah, I think the likes, as you say, Albie Morgan, Jack Payne, players like that for me, I think we we're just clinging on to squad players. I don't really think if we're if we're looking at a proper promotion battle and, and building a squad that is capable of promotion, that those kinds of players really have a place uh, in in a squad that's going to battle for the top six. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact that even Sean Clare was thrown into the mix there is a bit of a stretch. You know, <laughs> I remember saying to someone this time last year, the fact that he's probably in our top three for player of the season shows where we are as a club. You know, he's versatile. He, he has good games. He has very good games. But at the same time, you know, he's, he's too inconsistent. And, and, and I think defensively, he can be caught lacking at times. And probably not a surprise because he's apparently, I mean, being played out of position to an extent, although I've sort of forgot what his actual position is because he's played there for so long. Um, Stubbly, I mean, Matt has said that he thinks Fraser with better players around him would be uh, unplayable. Uh, um, Dan says if we've got a midfield free of maybe Fraser, Dobbo and, and someone like Kilkenny. I mean, Kilkenny's obviously been dropped after his first couple of games already for, for Albie Morgan, which doesn't say a great deal about him. It's only it's early days yet. But if, if you were to go through that list... Is, is there anyone that you're thinking, yeah, I would really hang my hat on that player being someone who could lift the League One trophy at the end of next season? Playing <laughs> yeah, for us, I, think... I mean, not signing for no one else. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest issue for me is is comparing squad players to first team players. So when you talk about, I don't know, promotion winning side, how many of these players would start week in, week out? I think we've got a few who could be part of a squad, you know, and I think the names have already been mentioned, Fraser's one of those um, for me, obviously, Dobbo, Corey, um, players like that. And you've got young players like Ness coming through who may well keep their starting spot. But I think Lewis made a really good point with Jose Semedo where he was a player when we were mid-table in League One that was the standout, was a player of the season. And then he left and we replaced him with better quality. Now, if any of these players left, would I be sad? Maybe, maybe Dobbo and a few of them that, I've spent time with before, but not not really, to be honest, in, in terms of I think we can, with the right sort of recruitment, um, secure better players. And, you know, you watch games like yesterday against Derby, and I think what Derby did well in the summer without spending a penny was build a squad 
that had a bit of everything, really. You know, they brought in Harahan in the middle of midfield to accompany Jason Knight, who's got a lot of energy. Max Bird, who's got a lot of energy, but maybe not the final bit of quality. If we have Dobbo and um, Fraser in our midfield, they're not the most mobile. In the summer, we put in Conor McGrandles alongside them, who isn't the most mobile as well. And he got a lot of criticism um, for the minutes he played Connor. But again, in a midfield that might suit his qualities a bit more, he might be a player who comes out of nowhere and does better for Charlton next season. And these are the sort of things that I don't think have been considered by Charlton over the last year. Is I think we've identified maybe some good players or players with a bit of quality, but we've not put them in a side that accompany each other. And at times we look disjointed and we don't have balance and that's for me the biggest issue we've got and, and something else I want to raise as well I don't think we've got enough players with the mentality and experience to get you grinding out results if you look at the side we had under Lee Bowyer when we got promoted they were full of players who you know let's use Darren Prattley as an example and I'm not saying we sign 11 Darren Prattleys but there, there, there was that bit of experience and know-how in games where we might be struggling but we can grind out results I mean, you look at some of the stats when we've conceded a goal first. I think I've got one here. The last time we won a game conceding first was against Wimbledon last year, about this time last year. So this season, when we've conceded first, we've lost games. That has to change next season. If you want to be a promotion winning side, if you concede first, you have to have the mentality and belief you're going to go and win the game. And I think only since Wembley, when we've conceded first and gone on to win, has been twice. So it sums it up that we haven't had that sort of mentality within this squad and belief that we're going to go and win games. And there's almost an argument to suggest that we need to go and sign. And I mean, that comment that's come on the screen, we, we don't have that mental strength in our squad as well as the talent. And it's almost, you need a combination. It need a, we need a real, a real solid thinking in the off-season. Yeah, just for the benefit of those listening on the podcast, the comments from Murray says that we have some talented players, uh, but our players seem to lack the mental strength to get the necessary results. Stats-based recruitment won't tell if a player has this, something uh, that Lee Bowyer uh, pointed out. And yeah, it is certainly something that um, we've seen. It's funny as you mentioned Pratt's, you know, we play playing a big part in the team that's currently absolutely walking League 2. And I know it's League 2, and I'm not saying that Prattley is the answer in League 1 anymore, but, you know, that... That little bit of now that he had that we saw in that playoff um, playoff campaign when he was here with us, you know, uh, he lost it a bit when we got into the championship. We're being honest, he lost his head a few times. But you know, someone like like Pratt is exactly perhaps what we, what we can be missing uh, at time. Um, yeah, Dan uh, Dan saying if we had a if we had kept Prattley and had a free of Prattley, Dobbo and Fraser, it would be more solid. Yeah, and certainly a, a Prattley type, even like a, a Cullen type. Like it's fair to say he's you know. He, a bit more quality on the ball than, than Darren Prattley, be with that hard tackling uh, as well. I mean, uh, Davin's saying that Dobbo actually made up for a maybe Corey Blackett-Taylor could, could have been part of a, a promotion push. I mean, this is one. I mean, uh, all hell let loose, Lewis, in, in your role as, as fan advisor, saying, are, are you telling Thomas we need a a major, major reboot? I don't really know how the, those conversations between you and Thomas go in terms of squad depth. I know you, you tend to ask questions about... Um, the, the the fact that you know are you sending the club and all that but I mean do, do you speak to him about the squad did, did you have conversations that, you know, has he given you any indication that he's, he's going to be here in the summer and he's going to go and sign 11 Darren Prattleys and free Macaulay Bonds uh, no no he hasn't uh, it's not really something I discuss you know the, the fan role is just about trying to improve a fan experience it's not not so much about the football inside that's not 
not in my remit. Of course, I do, when frustrated after losing a game, tend to email him quite quite harshly and aggressively about how we haven't done whatever in the January window and I don't think it's good enough. But ultimately, I don't I don't know how much my my voice really counts in that. You know, it, I have the same frustrations as every fan. I'm a Charlton fan, first and foremost. So a lot of the frustrations with, that people have I'm the first person to raise them with him because I feel them, you know, I don't like going every week and losing and being out fought and out competed. It's not, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. So yeah, I mean, I do, I raise it. It's not really something I have any power to, obviously, you know, I don't work for the football club. I'm not paid member of staff, but as a fan with access to Thomas Sangard, I will obviously, and I always do raise that. I don't think we've done well enough in January. I was concerned that we the business we have done in January and then we've let all the people that did that business in January go because of a falling takeover bid. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I raise it as much as I can, but how much that actually stands, I don't I don't know. But it's pretty bloody obvious if you're Thomas Sangard that you need to rebuild in the summer because, you know, half your squad's out of contract. The squad that you have got in place at the moment is mid-table. And if, he, if he's serious about getting the club promoted, which I don't think he is anymore if he's trying to sell, then he's got to hand it over to somebody that that is willing to do that. But it's, yeah, I mean, the most important thing, is I don't think that he is going to invest any more into a promotion winning side because it's pretty clear he wants to sell. So what's key now is that if he is going to sell, that he hurries up and gets it done. Wonderful stuff. Well, I think we should pretty much end there. A final comment from Danny said it was a golfing class again yesterday. You can see that Derby are top six and we are miles off it. It must be hard for the players to play the just amid table finish but that is very much where we are right we've run out of time on this week's uh charlton live thanks to everyone uh, who's joined us on on the live stream the comments have actually that's worked really well actually i'm really pleased with the comments so keep those coming uh, over our, our, our next few live shows we'll be back on thursday seven o'clock uh to look ahead to the game with sheffield wednesday which will be a real tough one um uh thank you for greg stubbley for being our first guest on on uh, this little segment absolute pleasure stubbley uh oh matt morris is asking what um what mug i was drinking out of it was a Lincoln City mug. There you go. Just in case anyone was curious, it's a Lincoln City mug. Um, yeah, Stubbers, thanks for joining us, mate. That was that was brilliant, um, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, cheers, guys. No, well done on coming into the new world with YouTube. Done well, mate. I look forward to seeing your faces every Sunday when I'm crying with my breakfast. Lovely stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if, if you if uh, anyone else would like to put themselves forward as a a chance to come on as the guest for the last 20 minutes of a, of a Sunday show. Feel free to to drop me a message on, on Twitter. Uh, massive thanks to Joe and Lewis. Uh, congratulations on your, your YouTube debut, Joe. You really got dressed up for it. So well done, mate. You can't wear pyjamas every week, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lewis, good to see you, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Right. I'm Louis Mendes. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listened uh, to the podcast and, and uh, watched us on uh, YouTube as well. We'll be back on Thursday, like I said, to look ahead to Sheffield Wednesday. I look forward to seeing you guys then.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 